Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along. Well, you know, if there is a different time for the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show, there is definitely a reason for that. And that's because Sean is again, or myself, not speaking in the third person, is again in a different time zone. Yeah, where is Sean in the world? This is generally the question that most people ask. And here I am on the left or west coast this week. Uh, We are celebrating my grandmother. Unfortunately, her passing, but we're celebrating. We're not mourning here. So... The Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show does continue, no question about it, with the fifth annual, sure to be wrong, mock draft. But that's our NBA draft. The NHL draft is also going on this week. The Islanders, in a big way this week, needing have the 11th and 12th picks in the draft. Seth has absolutely no idea who's being picked. We understand that. But did you hear that Barry Trotz resigned yesterday? The Stanley Cup. I did, and welcome to the show, everybody. And, yeah, my apologies for last week. I know there were some technical, some audio issues. Um, yeah, well, first of all, love out to Grandma Pearl. Anyone who, goes to Austra- anyone who goes to Australia at age 90 or 91 deserves a great deal of respect, um, even if taken by the dutiful grandson. Um, we'll talk about that later in the show. But, um, okay, since nobody can hear me, uh, can you hear me now? Damn, I can hear you better. Speakerphone. Okay. Um, yes, I heard Barry Trotz resigned. And considering there's only, I believe, two or three open positions in in the NHL right now for co- for coaches, one of course being Washington, which is going to probably be replaced by their assistant coach, and two, the your your, your dutiful Islanders uh, to be you know with their new arena or soon to be new arena and their mediocre team. <sighs> But with a good GM, it's an, it, is, it does seem like an obvious – the question is, did he resign expe- anticipating that this was the position he wanted to take? Assuming he would be – he would at a minimum he'd be interviewed, but assuming there's a very good chance. If, this, if he resigned at this point and every other job was done, and this is, a, this is a guy who's an NHL lifer, are we basing this assumption that he resigned so he could take this job? Is that a reasonable assumption no, or not so I, much? No. No, I don't think so. I think, it's, I think it's an assumption. It's a good assumption. But I don't think it's, it's a fait accompli. And he tried to play. Look at you. Look at you. Using, using languages I don't understand. All this traveling has made you smart. <laughs> SMRT. Yeah, well, yeah, fait accompli. But uh, I don't think it, 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 it's a definite thing. I think the fact that he did resign means he has his eye on the Islanders. I think Lamarillo certainly has his eye on him. The fact that the Islanders have not hired a coach yet leads me to believe that he's definitely the front runner. He wanted a big contract. He wanted a much bigger contract than they were offering with more years. And the Capitals have never paid for coaches. They've always paid reasonable rates, $1.82 million to guys like Dale Hunter or uh, players that, or Adam Oates, guys that were players and now can become coaches, but they've never paid the market rate for a great coach, a $6 million, $7 million, like Mike Babcock contract. 
I'm not really sure Barry Trotz deserves it, even being a Stanley Cup winning coach, but he certainly deserves more than $1.8 million. That's not the going rate for the Stanley Cup coach. So I don't think it's fait accompli. I know I've used that now four times. I don't think it is. It's definite. But I think it's definitely a high likelihood that he is coming to the island. And a lot of that really bases itself on John Tavares. And we learn in a week and a half where John, well, hopefully in a week and a half where John Tavares goes. And right now, nobody's saying anything. The, uh, the reports are from all the lead analysts is that they believe JT is coming back to New York. I hope JT is coming back to New York. But at the end of the day, nobody knows, much the same way as nobody knows where LeBron James is going. And that very much affects our NBA draft preview, which will start in about 10 minutes. But it's an interesting saga with Barry Trotz. I think Ted, Todd Reardon, who is the assistant or associate general, uh, associate coach, will certainly get the top spot. They elevated him last year to that type of deal. And this year, it, it's just, it's natural. It's a natural progression. Um, okay, so let's move on to the World Cup. So yesterday, England won. Woohoo. Um, England being, <laughs> look, I've talked to a bunch of Englishmen. I work with a bunch of Englishmen, a bunch of Brits. And their response is the England, and they compared it in a different way, but I would say England is very much like the 1992 New York Mets. A whole lot of superstars that you're putting on one team, and they just never coordinate well. So they don't anticipate going very far in the World Cup, but yesterday they won. So yippee, they won a game. Congratulations to they, all the Brits. They beat, and they, they beat Tunisia 2-1 to one on a 90th-minute header, and they didn't look that good doing This is not your typical English team. This is a team this – is, this is not an overly talented team. This is not. This team does not have the talent of a France or a Spain or a Belgium, and I mean the ironic part, or a Brazil or a Germany. The ironic part is pretty much most of these teams lost or didn't win at least in their first game. It was an interest. It's, uh, right now, Russia and Egypt are playing. It's the first game. It's the first. Everyone has played one game already, and it's been interesting. I mean, there have been a couple last-minute heroics, some amazing goals, including the one by Belgium. Uh, against Panama yesterday, but the most interesting thing is you've had a lot of teams lose, or a lot of teams that were, a lot of favorites not come out the way that was that were that was anticipated originally. Brazil uh, tying with Switzerland one one, and now Neymar is injured apparently. Um, Germany losing one zero to Mexico, uh, leading Mexico to anticipate they'll go longer, they'll go further than the round of eight, which they never do. Uh, Spain tied Portugal 3-3 in an amazing game by Cristiano Ronaldo. Argentina ties Iceland. Not quite as impressive. Um, it's kind of showing that there seems to be some parity. Again, it's too early. It's one game in. Everyone's kind of getting their legs under them. Um, but it's been – England has no expectations for this tournament. If they get passed around the 16, I think it's a good tournament for them. Okay. Well, that's fair. Look, in the past, they haven't even gotten there, right? I mean, look, England is, has always been the, the nice name, but they've never been able to fulfill recently, last 20, 25 they're, they're years. The Washington Cap- any sort they're the of Washington that. Capitals. Yes. And so, well, not, minus the 2018, they're the Washington Capitals. Yeah, same colors, too. So it makes, it makes a lot of sense. 
Talk to me about Real Madrid firing their coach two days before. I know we talked about this a little bit very quickly last week, but two days before, Barcelona is this a Barcelona-Catalan concept going on? Why couldn't the guy be the coach of Real Madrid and still the coach? I don't know. I think this was silly. I think it was silly for Real Madrid to make the announcement three days before the Cup. I think it was silly for Spain to have to have this to really see this as a huge conflict of interest three days before the cup. It's silly to me. And you look, there are times it's worked well. I mean, the big example is Steve Fisher coming in for Bill Fryder in the 1989 Michigan team right before they started the tournament, and then led by Glenn Rice and Romeo Robinson, they would win the tournament in '89. But and these guys, look, the thing with Spain is they're a very veteran They're They're a veteran team. It probably won't phase them as much as it would have other more younger and more nervous, I guess, teams, for lack of a better term. But why would you want to put I, – I understand – look, you get offered Real Madrid. Real Madrid is probably the best coaching job in the world, if not one top three. So I, I, I understand why he would, have, he would accept the position. I just kind of don't understand the timing of it. It seems silly to me. And it seems silly to me that it was yeah, announced. Well, it seems silly to me um, that um, that Spain, this was Spain's reaction. Now, they replaced him with an assistant who knows the team well. And look, the entire Spanish team, for all intents and purposes, is Real Madrid and Barcelona. These guys have played together for well, years. From what I, hold on. From, so from what I understood, the Real Madrid actually – People in Barcelona, the players from Barcelona, were rebelling. They were the ones that said, no, I, the, the animosity between them is like the Rangers and Islanders. So you couldn't have a coach yeah. that is playing for the Rangers and coaching the Islanders. Right? Uh, sorry, coaching the Rangers at the same time as coaching the Islanders. It wouldn't work. Or the Red Sox and the Yankees. So that was the understanding to me, is that he's now become the coach of my hated rival. There is no way I can now play for him. Am I on well, first the same of all, page here? That's, that's, probably, that's most likely what happened. To me, I find that kind of silly. Again, this is a national team. Now, whether you determine that Barcelona shouldn't be part of the national team because they're part of Catalonia, that's a whole other discussion. But the reality is I don't see why that should have been a problem. I just don't. It's not. You think he's going to favor one versus – I don't see it. The goal is for Spain to win a, to win a second World Cup in in, in, ten, in eight years, nothing else. If that's the way they per, if that's the way they perceived it, if they thought that was really going to be a, this massive of a complication, then they did. I guess they did what they had to do, and that is Real's not Real's fault because Real is only worried about Real. They're not worried about the Spanish team, but the coach should have requested that this be held off held off until. There's no reason anything needed to be known about it at this point. So it's okay. an interesting so situation, and we'll see where Spain goes from there after an amazing first-round game with Portugal. So, which, which it was, and I actually watched a full and complete World Cup game. Yes, it is possible. I was drinking a whole lot of tequila and having a good amount of margaritas, but I did get through an entire World Cup game. So for the first time since the U.S. was in it. After one that was game, a good one to, that was a good one to, that was a good one to go through, to get through. Well, remember, the week before I was in Portugal, so I know how important this was to the Portuguese. 
So my question to you is after one game, and I know very little can take, very little can be ascertained from one game, other than a couple of a couple of injuries here. Obviously, we saw Neymar go out. Have your predictions changed, or are they still the same? Are we still on the same boat here? Flying high. Yeah, I don't. I don't look. I don't think you can make adjustments. I don't think you can make these kind of things one game in. Um, you know, and that's also kind of. It would be kind of crappy of me to change picks after after one game. Um, I forget who I had in my final. I, I'm assuming it was something like Belgium in uh, in, in in Germany or Belgium in Spain. Um, but now let's see what happens. There are a couple interesting things. You know, a big favorite today lost in Colombia, losing to Japan. You know, so that division, actually the two favorites in that division both lost today. Um, you know, Russia looked good, but they're playing against Saudi Arabia, who got almost got into a plane crash today. So they haven't had the best of World Cups. Um, it's too early to tell. Look, the first two weeks are a lot of fun, and then the games get really good. You know, when you have teams like, even when they won, Japan is not considered a heavyweight. And to watch, I mean, let's be honest, to watch a Japan-Colombia game, unless you're Japanese or Colombian, may not be that exciting. You know, it just it doesn't have, like right now we have Russia and Egypt on. If So if you're a Liverpool fan, you get to watch Mohamed Salah come back. Russia, because the home, you know, because they're, they're, they're the home team. Um. These are games that you would have no interest in otherwise. But the World Cup kind of brings that out, and that's the fun of it. I work. The World Cup is on. I'm happy. I'm, it's much better than watching uh, Colin Coward. <laughs> yeah, well, you you got your NCAA tournament in March, and you got your World Cup in June every four years. So you're a happy camper right now. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, so, relatively speaking. Yeah, relatively Okay, Jay-Z. So Jay-Z yeah. joins Puma. Right, Marvin Bagley and DeAndre Ayton go to Puma. Jay-Z is a owner of the Nets in some way, shape, or form. I'm not exactly sure how much he owns, but he does own some of it. If he, does he still own, or did he, did, he, did, he get rid of, did he get rid of his interest? He may, have, he may have sold his interest already prior to this. If he sold his interest, no, he is a part owner of the Nets. Wait. I don't see anything. Uh, he can't be a part. Okay, so he sold it when he went into uh, whatever Rock Nation. Rock Nation. You are correct. Yes, because he was becoming Rock a sports Nation. agent. Okay, but still, let, let's go the other way. So he's a sports agent and he's the president of Puma? Again? Well, he, Conflict of interest? He, 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 here's the problem with Jay, with Jay-Z and Rock Nation and, and their their sports kind of it is look it, of course it's a conflict of interest but as we have you know things that used to be conflicts no longer seem to be <laughs> in a variety of ways things that you never questioned are you now you know it just seems to be the way of the world at this point um i'm also curious to see actually what jay-z brings in obviously an incredible name and a, an incredible cachet but you know, Rock Nation was supposed to become a big, a big boxing promoter. They've done nothing, and are almost con- are considered an embarrassment in the boxing game. Um, you know, Jay Z, you know, became the owner of the Nets. But you now, what was his real impact? Nothing. It was, you know, I, Rock. Now, Rock Nation has some, you know, represents some athletes. I don't know how good a job they do or don't do. I, I just don't have any idea. Um, but 
this is an interesting this to me is the most interesting of all these situations because this is him bringing his you know he brings a name and you know we've talked you know the sneaker puma hasn't been big in the sports world for a while it's nike it's adidas it's reebok to a lesser degree it's under armor puma's more of a lifestyle brand sneaker as opposed to an athletic sneaker so it's interesting that they've decided to make this run now i'm not sure what not sure why um but he brings a name you know people want to be associated with jay-z and so I think this more than almost anything that, that he has done in the sports realm makes sense. Because okay, fair. Puma... That's I'm fair. Sorry. No, that's it. That's fair. That's fair. Absolutely. You know, people love okay, Jay-Z. So, so, yeah, so. so two guys that are that just signed with Puma, hopefully to make it back to a major brand in basketball, and they got some major work to do. This is not an yeah. in-and-out process for them. I mean, they got to pour millions and millions of dollars into this in order to make a dent in what Reebok and what Nike have. And Jumpman, who is totally part of Nike, but not really part of Nike. Part of this is the number one pick in the draft, who they signed yesterday, or at least my number one pick in the draft, and that's DeAndre Ayton. And this is a great segue. We have 40 minutes. We're doing this an abbreviated NBA draft to preview here. But we're going we're gonna to get through it in 40 minutes. DeAndre Ayton to the Phoenix Suns. First of all, I think there are going to be more trades in this draft than we've seen in most. I just think after the top five picks, every single pick is interchangeable. Every single one. I don't think you're really getting a – I think you have maybe seven picks but you have a top shelf and then you have a severe drop-off. Then you have a huge second shelf and then you have a modicum of a third shelf. And that's the first round. I don't know your thoughts, but I think DeAndre Ayton leads the pack. He's an Arizona guy. He went to Arizona. He play, he's The Suns have the first pick in the draft. I don't think there's any way this pick gets traded, even for Kawhi Leonard. It's DeAndre Ayton, number one overall. Uh, way to go out on that limb. Yeah, I agree. Um, they have Thanks. no big men. Alex Lynn has been a disappointment. Tyson Chandler is 97 years old. You have your best players. You know, you have Devin Booker. You have Josh Jackson. You have a couple uh, power forwards in Bender that have been drafted in Bender and Chris that really haven't developed based upon their ranking. You're going. You're, you're going with the Arizona guy. How can you not? Doesn't make sense otherwise. Okay. No real. No real argument one way or the other. And to me, the second pick is the other guy that's signed with Puma, and that's Marvin Bagley Jr. I think the Kings just have no idea where to pick, so they'll just keep picking big men until one of them is good. Yeah, I mean, I had it too. Um, look, they need a lot. And there was discussions, are they, gonna tr- are they actually going to make a trade up to Phoenix? But that doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense. The question really is, you, you, you look – you look at our, you, sorry, you look at Sacramento, they need everything. You know, the, the hope is the Aaron Fox, and, you know, you have the Aaron Fox, you have Buddy Heald. Maybe, you know, you have Cauley Stein, but the, the, you need something. You need, a guy who's, you need a guy who's kind of an Elton Brandish kind of player, who's going to give you the 18 and 10 every game, and give you some consistency. And I agree, I think they're going Bagley. 
and I think he'll I think he'll do well there. If you want to call so in seven six zero two eight three zero eight four six seven six zero two eight three zero eight four six, and we have no problem with you ridiculing our picks because I would give it about a seventy five percent chance of getting it wrong. Uh, other than like yeah. the first four, <laughs> I, and, we, we have I mean, done look, so poorly. We have done so poorly on these drafts that. You know what? We take what we get from all the various sources. We put it together with our knowledge, and this is what we spit out. But if you look at any prognosticator, I guess they're 50% at best. That's just where we are. So who do you got the Hawks taking? I think this is, what, this is a linchpin pick, and I think number eight and nine are linchpin picks in this draft. Well, the Hawks pretty much need everything. Their guards, they're, tra- they're going to trade Schroeder at some point because he's unhappy. Although, as a mediocre point guard making $20 million a year, I have no idea what he can possibly complain about. The only thing they really have going for them is they have Caparum and they have John Collins, who ended up being a nice pick from Wake Forest last year in the middle. I have them go, they, they do need some upfront up help. I have them going with the youngest guy in the draft. And again, this is a team that's not going anywhere for the next couple of years, so I don't really have a problem with it. I have him taking uh, Jaron Jackson from Michigan State. As do I. I think he's perfect with Collins. I think he's got the most upside in the draft. But he's also the biggest risk in the draft. He didn't play a whole lot in Michigan State. He he wasn't used very much when he was playing. He's, oh, he's I don't know about that. Outside of, he really wasn't. If you look at his usage rate, it really wasn't He wasn't used as... He only played about 18 minutes a game. I mean, he didn't play very much. So I'm not saying he shouldn't have been playing more. He should have, but he didn't play that much. I have him with the Hawks because, again, we have to realize here, when we're picking the NBA draft, it's different than the NFL draft. The NFL draft is production today. What can you do to step foot on the field, unless you're a quarterback, and produce today? Not tomorrow, today. Because these guys are first-round picks in the NFL draft, and they are coming in to play today. These guys in the NBA draft, you hope they can play today, but you're not banking on them playing today. You're banking on them playing in a year or two years. And that's just the way that works. So I think Jackson is perfect for this because you're banking on him playing in a year or two. You hope he can play today, but this is a projection pick. Okay, the Grizzlies... I think this draft plays out perfectly for the Grizzlies. There's only one guy they wanted at the beginning. Well, everybody would have taken Aiton, but I think there's only one guy that, they re- that really fit their need, and that's Doncic, the guy from, uh, that plays for Real, Real Madrid. He is a Swiss Army Knight, plays the three, the four, but with, <coughs> excuse me, with Mike Conley coming back from an injury and over 30 and Marcus all over 30, you need a guy that can play today, and he may have the least ceiling, but he has the most floor. This guy's ready to play today. So I got him, yeah. pl- I got him playing with the Grizzlies next year. It is the obvious pick um, because of all these first seven, eight, nine teams, when you look through them, you know, Cleveland being the exception because we don't know where LeBron ends up. Every one of these teams is going to be in the, is going to most likely be in the lottery again next year, except for Memphis if Conley and 
uh, don't and Gasol are healthy, then they're a threat. In the, not a threat to go anywhere per se in the West, but at least a threat to make the playoffs. If not, then pretty much what you're going to have is Gasol and Connolly are going to be unloaded because they're going to be in their 30s, and you, you rebuild. But you take the chance, and you owe that to these guys to take the chance to see with Don, with Doncic, who can kind of fill in for what Chandler Parsons was supposed to be and never was. Um, or am I mixing up teams? Sometimes I forget that. Um, no, you're right. Parsons is on that team. Yeah. Yeah. And and you just kind of go from there. Um, but I completely I agree with you. No no major no major argument. So Dallas, why don't you why don't you go with Dallas at five? All right, so Dallas has Dirk Nowitzki. They have Harrison Barnes. They don't have much in the backcourt, but this player that I got them, that I got them having, not the most upside in the draft. I think we already decided that that was Jaron Jackson, but probably second, and that's Mamba. And he's a defensive anchor. He can play with Nowitzki for a while and then just give it off from Nowitzki. I wish he would fall to the Knicks at, at nine, but there's no way this guy falls to the Knicks at nine. He's got all the measurables. I think he's here at five to, to Dallas. Yeah, um, well, as, as usual, we kind of start off in the same. Um, we kind of start off in the same spot. Uh, I agree. You have Bomba at five, and I, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, it makes sense. Nowitzki's 87 years old. Um, but they have Barnes to give them some scoring. They're, they may try and trade Matthews. Dennis Smith is a really good player, but they traded for Ner- for Nolan's Noel. Didn't really pan out. Uh, they need a big man. You know, when they won their title, they had uh, they had Tyson Chandler, and Bamba's you know a good upside, good defensive player. The question is, they're one, they wonder about his motor a little bit, but we'll see how that plays out. You can't. That's a hard thing to gauge. So, no argument. I have ba- I have I Bamba t- at five. And I think I said this, top five, six, seven guys, maybe top five guys, and I think I said at the beginning, this is where we're going to deviate, starting now. Because well, this is where that, we start maybe, to deviate. Yeah, it's going to happen, absolutely. So who do you have with the Magic? I think this will probably surprise you, because I don't even really like the pick, but I have a feeling this is – Orlando has been just about the most irrelevant team in the NBA for the last 10 years. In my mind, they have no great talent at any position. Although they've been, although they've been drafting the lottery, the only the best player is Aaron Gordon, who probably will leave in the near future. I think they need a sexy pick. I think they need <laughs> a name which is going to give them some some mojo. Even so though I guess. don't personally think the, I would have done it, you got them taking Trey Young. They, I do. I think they go Trey Young. Yeah, so do I. Ah, damn it. That's no fun. <laughs> I don't even, after Alfred Payton, I mean, I don't even know who they're, who the heck is their, uh, I'm looking, who is, their point guard is oh, DJ Augustine and Shelvin Mack. I mean, this is the, I'm looking at their starting five. Augustine, Evan Fournier, Jonathan Simmons, Aaron Gordon, and Vucevic. My God, I'm not sure Duke's not a better doesn't have a better starting lineup than that. You know, they they, they need an oomph pick, and I think that's what they get with Trey Young. 
So I got Trey Young too. I mean, uh, for all the reasons that you just said, but more importantly, he's going to put the biscuit in the basket. He's the guy that's just going to score. Uh, he's six one. He's not going to play great D. The, the, everybody's going to switch on him. But by the way, Alfred Payton's no longer on that team. Right, he's we on the, the Suns. Yeah, so they don't have a big point guard at all. Uh, the two guards going to be very interesting here. I bet you we are different on the next pick. I think this is the first pick where you and I deviate entirely. And I have to Chicago, Mikhail Bridges. Yeah, I don't even have him in the ballpark at this point. Okay. Um, but I get, I, I think it makes sense. They're shooting. They're, they don't have a great shooting guard at this point. They're not a shooting guard. They're shooting guard weak. Um, but again, with Zach Levine coming back, if you know, and fully healthy, if they're going to resign him, and that's a big if. I can understand it. Um, I to me, Mikael Bridges is a three and is a three and D guy, and they they it makes sense. You know, I, I can't really argue because they could kind of use a three and D. I do have them going in a different direction. About damn time! I was getting annoyed with us being being the same. I have them going with probably the guy who would have been in the top pick if coming into the season. Um, I have them going with Michael Porter. You know, kind of playing that three-four combo with Mark. I have. So that so to me, if he's healthy, I think that makes sense. I have so there are two guys in this draft that I have dropping like rocks. I mean, dropping. Well, well, one, because I can't understand what position this guy is going to play, and the second one, because of health. And I have Porter dropping because of health. He, he canceled his second workout because of a hip injury. Now, that could be he has a promise. If he has a promise from the Bulls, then I'm totally off. But this is a guy that was hurt all year last year. He played, I think, two games and then got hurt again in workout. So, to me, that just screams bust or injury prone. If this guy's healthy, he's a 20 and 10 guy. But I don't, I, I don't think you're drafting on that. I think you're drafting on the concept that he may just be hurt. So, I have him dropping, and you'll see where he winds up in a little bit. So, the Cavs are an interesting point. I almost gave it away. Are at an interesting point, use quotes, in their – history, do they play as if they have LeBron, or do they play as if they don't have LeBron? Because LeBron won't be making that decision before the draft on Thursday night. I think that they need a point guard. I think they can play George Hill off the ball. I think without having uh, Kyrie Irving anymore, they need a guy that can put the ball in the, in the key, and that, my friend, is Colin Sexton. And I may be oh, saying I that because I, I don't want I, the Knicks to take him, I might, I might be saying that because I really don't want the Knicks to take him next, but that's where I got him, going to the Cavs. I appreciate you not saying biscuit in the basket more than once, considering Dan Patrick hasn't used that line in about 20 years. Um, okay. Sadly, I have, Colin, I have Colin Sexton going there also. It's the most logical pick, whether, whether James is there or not, because if you look at the other guys who are around, you're not going to go 3 and D because you don't need a small forward, obviously. Um, you need a guy who can create his own shot. And the best guy at creating his own shot left in this draft is Colin Sexton. And he's got a little bit of that cockiness. He's got a little bit of that arrogance. 
But I think if LeBron stays, and I, you know, it's possible. I, I, I think it makes sense because it's someone who can who can. It allows him not to have to do everything himself. If he doesn't stay, well, you're gonna need someone to score twenty to twenty-five, twenty points a game. You know, even if for a team who's going twenty-five and fifty-seven. So, and I will let you. I will. I'm curious to see where you're going with this. Because uh, they okay. need a lot. So to, me, so to me, for the Knicks, this worked out perfectly. I think the Knicks need one position more than they need anything else. They need a guy that will allow Porzingis to move outside once he comes back healthy. Hmm. They need a guy that will rebound. I'm going for Wendell Carter. And I love the pick. If they pick Carter, this is perfect for me. Now, could I see them picking Sexton if Sexton's there? Absolutely. Point guard's also a need. Could I see them picking Michael Porter here if he's available? Yes. And could I see them picking Kevin Knox here? Yes. Those are the three guys, four, did I say three or four? Four guys that I think are on the board for them. I like Carter better than all of them because it allows Porzingis to do what he needs to do and, and to go a little bit more outside instead of playing down low in the post. So I like Carter here. Do you think the Knicks re-sign Tanner? Yes. Uh, wait. I think I don't think Canner opts out, so I don't think it's an. I don't think it matters. Oh, that's right. He has a one-year opt-in. I forgot. All right. I don't think he opts out because I don't think they're going to get. I don't think they're going to get anything better than what they got. And I just realized I have Wendell Carter twice in my draft. I got to find where that mess up was. Okay, go ahead. That could be a problem. Okay, I do have the Knicks taking one of the players that you mentioned. I do not have them taking yep. Wendell Carter. Um, of course not. No, well, we got to disagree somewhere. If there were, if there was a point, if Colin Sexton falls to them, I think that's logical. You can play him next to Nikitima. You know, and I understand the car, especially also with Porzingis. We don't know when Porzingis comes back, but I think they kind of go for the three-four combo. And you know, he was not overly. I didn't think he was overly impressive at Kentucky. I think I think they go Kevin Knox. I do. Um, I think it makes sense. I think he could, he'll be, he'll be playing right away. And you know, also, the Knicks have a lot of needs, so whoever they get will be it will be it will be quite useful regardless. Um, all right, so I have we're now Philly at ten, and Philly Philly doesn't really need that much. They need a shooter. Um, so the question is, is there a two-guard that you like there? <sighs> um, Lonnie Walker, it's a little too early for me on him. You know, to me, you're going 3 and D. I'm going with Mikael Bridges. Apparently, Sean is so overwhelmed by that move, he decided to render himself silent. No, I have Kevin Knox. I, you're right. Huh. I think it's a 3D guy. And I think Knox is a good 3D guy. I don't. I'm not overwhelmed. I think they Knox is a youthful guy that can that's athletic and can run. And if Mikael Bridges is there, I agree with that. But I don't have him there, so that's the big problem. He would actually fit very well in replacing one uh, JJ Redick, who may not come back. But if we go down further at number 26, I have a built-in replacement for JJ Redick. So. Right now, is it my boy? I'm sticking with Knox. Is it, is it my it boy? It is your boy. It is your boy. It is your boy. Now, the issue is, at 11, I also have Wendell Carter. 
So I have to figure out why I have Wendell Carter there. So I'm going to let you go first with the Hornets. Okay. I actually have Wendell Carter going to the Hornets. Um, <laughs> so I, 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 I think, yeah, I, I used actually basketball.realgm.com to, to make the pick, so I couldn't do that this time because um, it's happened before. He's the best player left. Um, they need someone to play with Kaminsky. They can get they they can get somebody later potentially. Um, the, oh no, they can't. They don't have any other picks. The question is, are, you know, nope. what does Charlotte really want to do? Are they going to trade Kemba? Are they going to trade this whole team? But you kind of need a power forward to play with Dwight Howard, who was pretty decent in Charlotte last year, um, and he's the best player there. And so, and he was not only was he the best player there. He didn't really play that much. You know, he played a lot, and, but took a very step back, big step kind of, you know, let Bagley and all these other guys kind of take more of the credit than he did. Carter's going to be a solid pro, and I think it makes sense. I agree, 100%. Okay, so we got 23 minutes, so we got to really actually move on this. Well, you have to make your pick. Um, I, I am. So with the Hornets, I'm thinking best available guy, right? Because Kid Gilchrist is crap. Kemba will probably be traded. Frank Kaminsky cost them too much, including four first-round picks. And left, does Michael Jordan take a, a flyer on Michael Porter? And I think he does. I was going to have Porter with the Clippers next, who actually have two picks, but I moved him up one, and I think Porter fills the same void. He's a, excuse me, he's a wing that can play big. He's a crapshoot, but if nothing else, the Hornets need one of those. They need a boomer bust guy. I think he's that guy. So I got Porter at 11. Now I got to figure out who to pick at 12. So okay, I'll do my I'll do ahead. my 12. So yep. 12 and 13. You look at the Clippers. They need everything. Most likely Jordan's going to opt out. This is a team that you know Austin Rivers may or may not. Um, I don't know. Austin Rivers has never really done that much for me. Um, they need they need guard play. Because Teosic is nice, but we don't know what to expect. Beverly is coming off microfracture surgery. I think 12 and 13, I think you pretty much have your guards of the future. I think you're going uh, Gilgis Alexander from Kentucky, as, as you're, and you're going Lonnie Walker from Miami. Uh, Walker's kind of a 2-3 swing. You know, Alexander's kind of more of a point guard. Big guy. You know, it's, I think it makes sense. And there's no, I think they're also so the two best you, players sorry, at she, this point. She, I'm going to get Alexander and Lonnie Walker. And Walker. Okay, so, Wa- so Walker is the other guy that I have dropping. Because Walker I see as an athletic phenomenon, which he obviously is. He absolutely is. But he's got no position. He can't shoot. And he is an athletic freak. But I can't remember the last athletic freak other than Kenny Walker that really couldn't shoot very well and still made it for more than five years. Once, you're, once you can't shoot, even Vince Carter could shoot. These guys, Lonnie Walker just can't shoot. I got him dropping precipitously. Ah, another big work. Okay. Look at you. So I do agree with you. On, I do agree with you on Alexander, no question. But I think the Clippers are in an interesting spot where they can take a young guy. And they've taken one in Alexander as their starting point guard in the future. And I have them taking Zari Smith. And by the way, this is where I caught up because it was Zari Smith that I forgot. Zari Smith with the second pick as a shooting guard because they also 
could lose Avery Bradley this year as a free agent. And they will. don't want to re-sign him. They probably will. Zari Smith, to me, is the perfect, perfect replacement for him. Okay. This, to me, is almost the easiest pick in the draft if he's there. What is Denver really? They don't really need much. You look at their team. Murray, Harris are studs. Jokic is a stud. Millsap's a solid power forward if he's, if he's healthy. Fareed is trade bait. They need a four, a three. They need a three and D. There is only one guy that's there that fits the profile in my mind, and that's Miles Bridges from Michigan State. Bingo. We are in agreement. 100%. Okay, I will take Washington, though. Washington needs upfront help. I hope that they make a trade because I think, I think this team is stagnant the way that they are. I think you have Porter, who's a great player, a 3 and D player. I think you have too much of your money wrapped up in your point guard and your shooting guard the same way that Portland does, except Portland has a top-notch center that can, that can distribute the ball and play defense, while the Wizards just don't. Well, I think they get one of those guys that has incredible upside in this draft and should have been a – could have been a lottery pick last year had he come out, and I got them taking Robert Williams. This is annoying. We don't usually have this many in common this late in the draft. Um, I do too, and I agree. I would not be surprised to see to see Beal or I don't think you can trade Wall because of his contract, but I would not be I would not be surprised to see Beal traded this year. Um, I just this team is stagnant, and whether you like it or not, it's Wall's team, considering the extension that was signed. So you, you need a big man. Gortat's in the last year of his contract. Williams makes the most sense. So now it's Milwaukee at 16, uh, Phoenix, excuse me, at 16. Phoenix can go a bunch of ways with this one. Um, I look at Phoenix, and you now have Upton, you have Booker, you have, as I said, Kristen Bender. You don't have a point guard. Um, and so to me, you're going Aaron Holiday. Now, good player, good defensive player, good shooter. Not the biggest guy in the world. But someone who can kind of who can run a team to me that makes the most sense. Okay, so I have Jerome Robinson here, a shooting guard. Um, I do understand they do have Devin Booker. Don't don't get me wrong here, but I think he has been the most productive of the shooting. He was a great scorer out of Boston College, and when Booker went when Booker stopped playing, this team stopped scoring. They need a guy, even if he's a sixth man off the bench. He's, a, he's 21 years old. I think this is the guy for them. With Aiton and Robinson, I think this is a good match. Maybe they finagle a way to play Booker at the point guard instead of – maybe they play both at the same time. That would be the Booker, only the guy, the guy who took like 70 shots to get the 71 points. I know. Play point. I know. Maybe Jerome Robinson plays point guard. I'm sorry. Who did you have here? I missed the name. I had Aaron Holiday. Holiday. Okay, and I have him going a little bit later. Okay, as with the NBA, as with the NFL draft, I will go the NBA draft in that I have two players back to back with the same last name, and this is Mitchell Robinson, uh, who did not play college ball, uh, but did not just come straight from high school. He had, he had an interesting way back. The center for the Bucks. So the Bucks are a very young team. They have, obviously, uh, the Greek Freak. They have Chris Middleton. They have John Henson, who pretty much is a bust. 
but they could use a guy in the middle, a.k.a. Larry Sanders. Larry Sanders would be perfect on this team if his head was screwed on straight. A defensive guy that just plays the middle. And Mitchell Robinson has the best upside for defense, in my opinion, in this draft. So I'm taking Mitchell Robinson here. All right. I'm looking at this team. It's an interesting pick. I have, I do have him in the first round, um, but just a bit later, because I have very little faith in anyone who kind of who runs like he does to see how that goes. I have no idea how their guards match up at this point. Um, Bledsoe was not great. Uh, I'm trying to think. Sorry, bear with me a quick second. Okay. Like I'm looking at yeah, Brogdon had a great rookie year, not so great afterwards. Tony Snell is their two guard. I'm just not overwhelmed. Um, you know, for a team that seemingly has a decent amount of talent between Middleton, Parker, and and, uh, and Giannis, they still need a lot. I, I don't love their guard play. Sorry, I'm putting in Robinson right now for your pick. It just it takes me a little bit of time. Um, God damn it. Come on, Mitchell. There we go. Okay. So I went. We got 15 in the game. We got to move. All right, all right. I went in a different direction. I went, they kind of, I went with Zara Smith. I like the athleticism. I like the defense. And we go from there. Spurs at 18. Okay, the Spurs. Spurs. Always taking a, a foreign player. I got them with Dezanin Musa who is one of the younger players in the draft, they're just reloading. They're just starting over, especially if Kawhi's, hurt, if Kawhi's gone. This team just needs younger guys that can put the ball, sorry, that can shoot the ball and score points, because I can't say put the ball in the basket. Well, you, uh, so well, you can say put the ball in the basket. You can't say put the biscuit in the basket. Okay, fair enough. So I got Dizan and Musa going to the Spurs. Makes sense, considering how incredibly successful they've been um, taking foreign players. I do have them taking a shooter. I have them taking an all-around player. I may be a little bit biased. This may be a little early. Yeah, you are. But I have a guy who is going to take my team to the final eight if he stayed. Unfortunately, he won't. Uh, Kevin Herter, great shooter, good passer, surprisingly good, surprisingly athletic. He'll fit the team well. Um, okay, moving to, tonight, the, moving to the Hawks. Moving to the Hawks. So this is where the floor falls for Lonnie Walker. The Hawks need everything. They're willing to take a shot. This is where Lonnie Walker goes. For all the reasons that Seth said, he is an athletic guy but can't shoot a lick. The Hawks, this is where he goes with the second of three picks for them in the first round. Yeah, I, I think they trade this, but I actually have them going even younger to another player who didn't actually play college ball, kind of got stuck in the middle of nowhere land. I have them going with Anthony Simons. Okay. So number so 20, 20. I love 20. Go ahead. To the Wolves. Well, the Wolves have a – Wolves are in a strange situation. Um, they could go power forward, but there's really nobody there. Um, they need some kind of – Jamal Crawford's going to be gone. They're going to. They need some toughness, I think. You know, you look at, at Wiggins and Teague and Towns. There's not exactly a defensive powerhouse. 
So I'm going with probably one of the best and toughest defensive players in the country. I'm going Kareem Thomas uh, from Creighton. Okay, let's understand here. There are no more power forwards in this draft. That's the thing I found out. I mean, unless you're picking Omari Spellman this early, I don't see one power forward in this draft, and that's a problem because the, the remaining teams really could use a power forward. And I got the Wolves taking shooting because you can never have too much shooting, and that's DiVincenzo out of Villanova. But that's just because he's the best of the shooting guards left. I just don't see any other – I mean, I got the Nets picking a power forward, but I got them making a leap to take that power forward. So I got the – you're going to see a whole lot of shooting and point guards here. I got DiVincenzo with the Wolves, and now we go to – and I'm sorry, who did you have with the Wolves? Uh, Kyrie Thomas. Kyrie Thomas. And then with the Jazz, I have Aaron Holiday. He's a guy that can score. And, again, we're back to the same thing. They could use a guy to replace Derek Favors. There just isn't anybody here. Yeah, I, you know, Favors is a free agent. They did resign Ingles. I kind of have the three-four combo. Uh, I took Kata Basti up from Ohio State. Okay, and that's actually who I have later on to the Nets. I think they, wow, you, I think they pulled a, a fast one going up twenty-nine. You got them at twenty-one, uh, twenty-two. Uh, like you said, toughness is important with the Bulls and with a lot of these teams, especially with the Bulls. And when you, I know I have them picking uh, Mikhail Bridges as a three in the first round, but as a two, I have them at Troy Brown out of Oregon. And I think, to me, I, I believe, and I could be wrong, we put in Troy Brown... I think there's a promise here for, for Chandler Hutchinson at – that's weird. Where I have no Troy Brown. That is so strange. I don't really understand here. Um, I got it. Just keep going. Okay. I think they have a promise here with uh, Chandler Hutchinson from Boise State. That is the reason I assume he's – so – Again, two kind of that two three combo, tough guy will fit well. Pacers. What do you got? Okay. Uh what do I got? Um okay, Pacers Pacers kinda need a little bit of everything. Uh except like I like their big guys in Turner and Sabonis. Obviously you like Okadipo at, at at the two, so you're looking, to me, I'm looking at either a point guard or a three because Collison is kind of getting older. I went actually far, and I went Ilio Kobo from France. As did I. So there we go. We finally picked the one. Okay, the Blazers at 24. I have hold on. I have Josh Okoji, the guard out of Georgia Tech. I think they're going to look to trade one of their two point guards or one of the two guards, McCallum or Damian Lillard. Again, I just don't think that much wrapped up in two guards is, is productive. And if nothing else, a Kobe, I believe, is 6'4". So he might be able to play a 3D, um, maybe small, small forward. Josh Kobe. Okay. At 24... Yeah, I, I kind of go for, okay, this is where I actually wouldn't be surprised to see a trade either. 
kind of they need a, they need another scorer because they just haven't been able to get other than McCollum, who was disappointing last year. They just haven't been able to get one um, other than Lillard. I have them going with DiVincenzo, who can shoot the Dickens out of anything. So twenty-five, okay. the Lakers. Yep. It's almost impossible to figure out what the Lakers are going to do because you have no idea how. The, do they think they're getting LeBron? Do they think they're getting Paul George or Kawhi? Are they getting none of the three? I have them going actually for a big man. I have them going Mitchell Robinson here because they they're going to need a team that can control Robinson in between Magic and Luke Walton. He's going to have no choice to either ship, shape up or ship out. And I agree with that. Considering they don't need, they're not going to have probably uh, Gary, uh, Randall, Julius Randall after this year. Nope. Okay, I have Hutchinson here. I think they just need somebody that's older and wiser and can play tough. So that's why I have him. The Sixers, we just talked about your boy uh, Hoarder. I have him going here at twenty-six. The just the perfect replacement for JJ Redick. Makes sense. I I have them taking actually. I have a feeling Covington may be out, may be traded. I have them taking Amari Spellman, the guy who can shoot. Twenty-seven. And is the the Celt- only. Yep. Celtics. Twenty-seven. The Celtics. Uh what do they really need? Not much. Um, I have them going big because I just look at this team; it is so stacked. And the only thing I can think of is, you know what? Probably can get use. A, you can probably have someone who can be a sub for Horford and Baines, who can pass the ball well. It's kind of you know, kind of an excitable guy. I kind of I, I took Mo Wagner from from Boston. Okay, and I think Danny Ainge is all about accumulating assets and doesn't really care what position they play. And the asset that is left is DeAnthony Melton out of USC. Um, if he had played this year, I think he would have been a top-ten pick. He played tremendously in his first year. Um, I think he's much, very much the same way as Jaden Brown, who might get traded. Okay, the Warriors. The Warriors need nothing, and yet <laughs> they have a first-round pick. They don't need anything. And because of that, I think they take Gary Trent Jr., who's kind of a Swiss Army knife, went to Duke, and – Look, the one thing that they do need is quality players that can just step in and do limited roles. And this is one of their guys. I think it's Gary Trent Jr. Yeah, actually, ironically, I have Trent going first. Pretty much all they want is someone who can shoot open shots. And okay, Trent then, can do that. I'm not sure what else he can next, do, but he can do that. I have your, I have your boy Diop here. Um, again, it's just they just need toughness. They just need a guy up front. I don't think – I think you can take anyone from the, the last five picks of the first round and the first five picks of the second round, interchange them all, and I don't think there's much of a, a change here. So yeah, I, I have them going. I have them going with Musa, the guy you had going to San Antonio from Croatia. Um, last pick, Atlanta. Again, kind of need a little bit of everything. Wouldn't be surprised in the trade. I have them taking Troy Brown from Oregon. And I have them taking Kyrie Thomas, who you talked about before. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we 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 pretty much have the same thirty guys, just in different orders. I mean, I don't think there's one guy that you have that I don't. Oh, Amari Spellman. There's one guy. And I'm I forgot. To, I forgot Jerome Robinson. Robinson. I forgot Jerome Robinson. And, and Simmons. I think that well, there are two of them for you and two for me. So I think it's Simmons and Simmons and and Mo Wagner and Amari Spellman. You have three guys. So we each have three guys that are different. Okay, five minutes left. Um, I may take up the whole. It's all yours. I think you should. I think you should take this. Go. Okay. So, 
So, ladies and gentlemen, you have heard tales of wonder and enjoyment with me and my traveling over time. And that all spawned from one very, very important trip that I took my grandmother three years ago. Grandma Pearl, as Seth has affectionately known her and many people do. Aunt Pearl, Pearl, Bubby, Nana. She's been known to many things, but to me, she was always Grandma. There's no other name. She's not my grandmother. She's grandma. And for my friends that have heard me talk about her, she was a pain in the ass. This woman was an absolute pain in the ass. But she was our pain in the ass. And everybody knew her. Everybody knew when she was around because she lit up the room. She could make friends with anybody. When we were online in Australia, she made six friends within ten minutes. I have no idea on how that happens, but she had a glowing personality and she made life bigger than what it was. And unfortunately, my grandmother, Pearl, passed away at 92 this past Friday. And she was the most important person in the world to me. Between she and my grandfather, there were no two people that were more in love over their time, 65 years. Seth, if you're married 65 years, I won't be around for that anniversary. I guarantee Nor you. Nor why. Nor why. Yeah. <laughs> they were the age of golden. They were the golden age. They, they don't make people like them anymore. And that, that's really it. I mean, she was the best of the best. She deserves everything. And every single week she would ask me, how did the radio show go? She never listened, mind you. Because she would never. Did I didn't know that. She, no, she didn't. She never listened. Not once. Well, I didn't know she asked because about she the did show. Not, she asked about the show every week because she she said, "Are you still doing the show?" Every week because she knew how much I enjoyed it. The woman would give you the shirt off her back if she need, if we needed it if the grandkids needed it. She didn't go to Australia four times with her with her husband because there was something going on in their grandchildren's lives. There was absolutely nothing she wouldn't do for her kids. There was nothing she wouldn't do for her grandkids or her great-grandkids, for that matter. So, Grandma, I know you're listening up there, or at least you're listening to me if you're not listening to the show. (laughs) If this is the first time you're listening to the show, welcome. We love you, and we'd love you to listen more. But please give a kiss to Grandpa. Give a kiss to Aunt Jan. Because this show is dedicated to you, and I love you. And ladies and gentlemen, next week we will see you for our NBA draft recap, where we all basically tell you we messed up yet again for the fifth straight year. And we'll preview the free agency market in the NBA. And what round will we be in the World Cup? I think in the second round, right, by that point, next week? No, we'll we'll still be going through the first round. Okay, so baseball season is eternal. The World Cup is just as much. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in. For Seth Kamen, this is Sean Palmer. Have a very good week, and we'll see you next Tuesday at our regular time, 730 Eastern. Have a good one, everybody. See ya.